Hey, thanks for joining us today on the For the Bible Tells Me So podcast. My name is Riley. I'm so glad you're here. Right now, you're jumping into a Bible study with us called Blessings Behind Bars, because what we're doing is we're taking a look at a letter, essentially a prison letter, that the Apostle Paul wrote from prison to his church in Philippi, the book of Philippians. And we're just looking at what God might have to say to us today, 2,000 years later, about what it looks like to have joy in the middle of trial. And today, you know, we're jumping into a message that when I first started studying for it, um, I thought that this was all going to be about how to face death, how to anticipate it with hope and to kind of move through, you know, the death of others and kind of working through just our own mortality with a healthy mindset. But as I was studying for this, I quickly came to realize that this passage we're about to jump into It's not just about how to face death. It's about how to face uncertainty. It's about how to face the uncertainty that we all experience in this life. And I feel like, you know, for me, one of the greatest challenges of my life is facing uncertainty. Sometimes, you know, I I have fear when I experience something difficult and painful in the moment, for sure. Maybe you can relate to that. But even more than that, I feel like my fear, my anxiety, my worry comes from the uncertainty about what's about to happen. Not just what happens, but just wondering what is going to happen. Because your mind just starts spiraling and going to all kinds of different places, and your stress gets higher. The, t- the kind of toll that your body takes as you're just wrestling through stress just gets bigger. There's just something about the uncertainty. There's actually a study done in England recently where there's these scientists and they got two groups of people. One group of people knew that in five minutes they were going to experience some kind of electrical shock in their body. They didn't know how big the dose was, but they knew in five minutes this was going to happen. So they had their own set of anxieties. And then there's another group on the other side who the scientists told them, hey, Something is going to happen to you, might be painful, might be pleasurable, you don't know when it's going to happen, but something's going to happen to you soon. And would you believe it, the people who didn't know when the shock was going to happen experienced 50 times more stress in their lives than the people on the other side who knew that something was going to happen and they had a time for it, they could prepare for it. There's just something about the uncertainty that got their heart rate up and made them fearful for their future. And I feel like that's, you know, very, uh, it explains just a lot of what we experience in this life. But when we come to scripture, when we look at the life of Paul, especially in this book of Philippians, what we see is a man who knows that things are going to be hard for himself. He's actually going through hardship right now. But instead of letting the uncertainty rule and dominate his emotions and his well-being. Instead, he fights the uncertainty by proclaiming a truth to himself right now. And that truth is this. It's that with Jesus, whether I'm alive or dead, I will not be ashamed and I will not be torn down. I'm with Jesus today and I'm with Jesus when I die. That was the hope that Paul had that got him through every single discouragement 
and trial they faced. And I believe that for me and you, we can take this mindset into our lives today and know that, man, no matter what I experience, no matter what hardship comes my way, no matter how big the debt looks, no matter how broken the relationship may feel, no matter how uncertain the future may look, no matter what I might experience, I am with God and God is with me and that truth will allow me to move forward in life, not just passably, but with joy forever. So let's do this. Let's take a look at Philippians chapter 1, verses 19 through 21, and then we're going to break it down here in a minute. This is what Paul says to the Philippian church. He says, I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, when we look at the situation that Paul was in, this guy was in tough times. I mean, honestly, for me, like my worst fear is to go to prison. That's just like the worst thing I can imagine happening to me. And Paul is in that situation right there in this text. And instead of feeling bad for himself or sorry for himself, instead of trying to curse the government or to shift blame onto someone for putting where he's at. Instead, he embraces where he's at and chooses to have confidence for the future. Now, why can Paul in this terrible situation have any kind of hope for the future? Well, we'll see here that he's got a firm faith in Jesus. Not that Jesus is just some kind of distant God who checks in from time to time. Paul believes that Jesus was with him in that prison cell. But Paul also is relying really heavily on his church family back in Philippi. He believes that they're praying for him. And he believes that he, in a sense, is united to the church under the name of Jesus and through the blood of Jesus and by the prayers of the people. So Paul, he is locked and loaded. He is ready to go for the future because he believes that his relationship with Jesus is so secure that Jesus is for him. And he's super believing in his church, that the church is with him as well. And with Jesus and the church riding with him, he believes that, man, anything is possible and that he will be delivered from his situation. And I think that that shows us kind of the first truth that we realize about Paul's situation. Paul realized that with Jesus, he had a rescue plan. He just knew that he had a rescue plan. In Philippians 1 verse 19, he says, I know that through the prayers and the help of the Spirit of Christ, that this will turn out for my deliverance. Paul is saying here, man, I believe that the prayers partnered with the power of Jesus' Spirit will deliver me. This is my backup plan. Not even my backup plan. This is the plan for my security 
in this life. I believe that God is fighting for me and that the church is laboring with me in prayer and that, man, Jesus' plans have not stopped. They're continuing for my life. So he has this this deep conviction about this deliverance. And look, I don't know if Jesus just spoke this straight to, to Paul's heart, like, hey, yo, Paul, you're in prison, but I'm gonna deliver you. It doesn't say that here. But what we see is that Paul just has this conviction that Jesus will do this for him. Isn't that amazing? He believes that Jesus' plans have not finished. And so he's just like, look, I know I'm going to be delivered. I know that Jesus is going to deliver me through the power of his might on the the waves of these prayers of the people. He has got something more for me. I just love that faith. He believes that Jesus was still on mission to expand the church, to save people, to draw them to himself, and that Jesus wanted to use Paul as a part of that mission. But I want us to get a little bit deeper into the the forest here and look at some of the trees, okay? I want us just to take a look for a second about Paul's reliance on the prayers. He's, He's talking to the Philippian church. He says, I know that through your prayers, your prayers. This is amazing that he he knew that his deliverance was coming because of the prayers. This is why I believe that he believed that. Because Paul believed that the prayers of the people were actually an essential element to his rescue plan. They weren't just something that were thrown up into the air as kind of like a Hail Mary, like maybe maybe this will work if I pray, maybe Paul will be delivered. Paul didn't believe that about the prayers at all. He saw the prayers as a direct line to the God of the universe. He saw the prayers as the way to communicate with God on Paul's behalf. He saw the prayers as the avenue for God's spirit to move in this world. So Paul looks at the church and says, man, if my deliverance is going to happen, it's going to be through your prayers. And I actually read a commentator this week who said that it's actually, you, you can go so far as to say that Paul believed that without the prayers, that he might not have been delivered. Paul believed, man, these prayers were not just a part of the plan, but they were a core element to the plan. And I think that, you know, even just thinking that, that prayer is part of God's plan and essential to people being delivered and freed from sin or oppression, that's got to cause us to take a look at our own prayer lives, right? I know like for me, man, even talking about this right now, I'm like crazy convicted because I think about my own prayer life. And oftentimes when I'm praying, this is how it goes. I'll be like, God, you are the God of miracles. You're the God who parted the Red Sea. You're the God who raised Jesus from the dead. You're the God who created everything I know. So please do this. But, you know, if you choose not to, God, then that's cool. I believe you're sovereign and obviously you do something different. It's like, what, what, am I, what am I saying? I'm saying like in one breath so much faith and belief in what, who God is and that he's going to do this thing I'm asking. But then I just put this but, this caveat, just to prep my heart for when I think God may not answer that prayer. And, you know, I don't think it's bad to pray like that because, you know, 
in one breath, you are just giving God the glory for who he is, and you are also submitting to his sovereignty and his power and to his way. Like, we believe yes and amen to both of those things. But what I'm talking about is my heart. I'm talking about what you don't see, but that I know. And what I know is that oftentimes those prayers come from a place of complacency. They come from a place of distrust. And that's got to be really rooted out of me if I want to see God really move in my prayer life. Because I do. I want to pray for my city, for our town, for Monterey County. I want to pray that marriages are healed. I want to pray that parents are reunited with their kids. I want to pray that every child has a home and a secure roof over their head. I want to pray that every family has enough income to be able to buy good food and to be able to take care of their children. I want, to play, I want to pray for racial reconciliation between the government and the people in our towns. I want to pray for all these different kinds of things, social equity to be restored, for there to be peace and health and really true loving community in Monterey. But if I pray that without trust, without faith, what kind of prayer is that? How is God supposed to move if I don't believe in him? If I don't trust that he's going to do it, then why would he ever even want to do it? And look, I'm not trying to say that if you pray with disbelief that God's not going to move. In fact, I believe that God is so gracious that he moves on our behalf even when we don't ask for it or don't even submit to him. He's just a good God and he, he moves in his ways according to his goodness. But just imagine what God could do through your prayer life. It could be amazing. It could be powerful. And Paul was able to believe that these prayers had power in them because he knew that the church was praying for him, that they had a deep conviction about who Jesus was and his power through the prayers. I just believe that Paul had such a deep relationship with Jesus. He just knew, man, that that Jesus is just going to do this. Wouldn't you love to have that kind of faith? Jesus is just going to do it. I believe that's from years and years and years of developing intimacy with Jesus through prayer, through service, and through trust and generosity. Paul just saw it, and man, what a deep conviction about the prayers of the people. He knew that they were essential to the rescue plan. But it didn't just stop at the prayers, obviously. The prayers contained their power because the Spirit of Jesus moved through the prayers. I love that Paul says here that he, he knew through the prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. You know, Paul believed that the Spirit of Jesus was the personal force behind the prayers of the people. He knew that these prayers by themselves were dead. They had to be rooted and grounded in power somewhere. And when these prayers were guided to Jesus, when they were sprung out of faith in Jesus, then Jesus' power and might would move through the prayers and get into people's lives. So it's not just the prayers, but the prayers are essential. The the engine, the fuel, the oil, the, the thing that really causes the power to spark and ignite is the Spirit of Jesus. And that's what 
Paul really had his faith in. He's he man, he believed that Jesus' spirit was all up in these prayers to do something powerful, to do something outside of what Paul could do or the church could do, to, to go against the odds of what they expected from the government, to deliver Paul in ways that they could never imagine. They, Paul and the churches believe that, man, it's just all by Jesus. It's only through him. And so we need to commit our lives to praying that God would move. But what I love about this part of, you know, what Paul is saying is this. Paul knew that even though he was alone in that jail cell, he knew that the church was still with him through prayer and that Jesus was with him through the Spirit. Paul knew he was not alone even though he was alone. Nobody else was in that prison cell with him, but he knew, man, I don't care where I'm at. I could be in a prison cell. I could be on an island by myself. I could be totally isolated. I am still comforted knowing that the people of God and the person of Jesus is with me at every turn. Now, I don't know, you know, what Paul was totally thinking in this moment uh, to kind of cause him to really say what he was saying, but I have to believe, and I, I, I'm just going to use a little bit of my kind of pastoral liberty and just kind of think a little bit about what Paul may have had in his heart that brought this conviction about the church and Jesus and the, the, the power of God surrounding him. I think he may have just had in his heart a story from the book of 2 Kings chapter 5. There's this story where the prophet Elisha, he's there with his servant. And Elisha wasn't loved by all the people around him. You know, Elisha was pretty brash and he spoke some pretty challenging words to the kings of the day because they weren't following God. So the kings didn't like him. The people around him didn't like him. And it got to a point where they didn't like him so much they began to hate him and wanted to actually kill him and behead him. So Elisha and his servant, man, they're kicking it in this tent. The, the servant comes out and he notices something. He looks out and he sees that there's an army of soldiers coming out to get Elisha and him. And he starts freaking out. He comes and tells Elisha, Elisha, we better, we got to bounce like right now. Grab everything because there are people outside who are looking to kill us right now. And Elisha, man, he has this moment where he gets quiet. He prays to God. He says, God, please open the eyes of my servant. Let him see what's actually happening. Because notice, the servant saw what was happening, but Elisha knew something else was really happening. And God, in his faithfulness, opened the spiritual eyes of this servant. And what did the servant see? He saw the physical army, but he also saw something else. He saw the spiritual army. He saw the soldiers of God's angels surrounding them more than the, the real soldiers that were present. This servant saw that, man, we're not just fighting, we're not just running away from a physical army, but man, we are surrounded by the spiritual army that is with us wherever we go. We are never alone 
when it comes to our relationship with God. We have the covering of God even when we feel isolated and doomed. God and his angels, his army was with them. I just have to believe, man, that Paul knew this story and was putting it into his own life. He's like, look, I just know that I am never alone. God is with me right now. So Paul, man, he knew that with Jesus, there's always a rescue plan because he was never alone as long as he's with Jesus. And this reality also brought another truth to Paul's life. And he knew this. He knew that with Jesus, the future is bright. He knew the future was bright. In verse 20, he says, It's my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul was so strengthened by knowing that he was not alone, that the church was with him, that they were praying for him, by knowing that Jesus was with him, that his spirit was empowering him, that it actually caused him to not just become peaceful or content, but expectant and hopeful that he would not be ashamed. He was like, look, man, if God is for me, then who can be against me? I'm going forward in courage and knowing that, man, no matter whether or not I rot in this jail cell or whether I get out, it doesn't really matter if I'm alive or dead. Man, my hope is that God will be glorified through my actions and not just that, but through my faith, through my hope. He was not ashamed because he knew that his faith, his hope was secure. And that was the metric that God looked at to be pleased with Paul. It wasn't if he got out of prison. It wasn't that if he got this huge crowd to follow him. It wasn't if he started this banging prison ministry while he's in prison. It was that if he had faith through his situations. If he did, if he had hope in Jesus through every life stage, then he knew that he could go before God at any moment and that God would not be ashamed of him, that Jesus would be proud of him, that Jesus would accept him and welcome him into the presence of God. Isn't that amazing? I just love that he had this eager expectation and hope because of who surrounded him. He knew, man, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be faithful. I'm gonna be totally faithful. This has, this has to, you know, kind of ask us a question of ourselves. I, I think about this all the time. You know, think about the people in your life. Think about the people who are around you. Are they in your corner? Like the church was in the corner of Paul. Are your people with you? Do you feel like you can take a step of faith in the future and know that, man, if I fall, that my people are going to pick me up? If I crash, will people try to put me back together? Do you have that confidence in your friends, your family, your church community? And I would just suggest that if you don't have that, man, it's time to take a look at who's around you. Who are you placing your hope in? Who are you relying on and leaning back into? You may need to, right now, just take a moment to pause and think through, man, who are the people in my life that actually help me take steps forward towards my faith 
in Jesus? Who are the voices of faith in my life? You may need to ask that in a fresh way because the truth is not everybody in your life is going to be like that. Not that you can't be friends with those people. You definitely need those people in your life. You need to be ministering to them, caring for them. But who are the people that you are really leaning on as you adventure forward with Jesus? We got to be surrounded by at least a few people, man, who will pray for us, be with us, and go forward, challenge us, and help us go the distance with Jesus. Paul had this, and he knew that because of it, his future was bright. And he also knew that because of Jesus' acceptance of him, remaining in that faith, that he could not be ashamed. It's beautiful. Paul couldn't see what would happen in the future, but he could determine his attitude towards the future. Do you ever think about that? Like, you don't know what might happen uh, with that relationship or with your school or with how you just do life, but you can choose how you will face whatever happens because this is the reality that you and I as Christians We don't let life determine our joy. Instead, our joy is determined by who we are with, and we are with Jesus. You might need to have that mind shift right now. Allow God to shift your heart and mind to where you actually look at your situations and say, this is something for me to put my energy into, to maybe combat, maybe to work through, but... Surely this is not going to decimate me and my life. What's going to actually produce the joy in my life is my relationship with Jesus. And with his power, I can face anything with confidence because nothing else in this world will detract me from my hope and my faith in Jesus. You might be going through a really hard situation right now. I don't know what you're going through, but... Maybe, I mean, just during this time, it's 2020 and COVID is rampant. It's, you know, cases are going down in California right now when I'm talking about it, but maybe somebody you know has been affected with the disease. Maybe you have experienced the displacement that happened with these different fires that have happened in California recently. Maybe there's just something with your your school where, you're super bummed because you can't be in person with your friends this semester. You don't know how things are going to shake out. Jobs are looking insecure, whatever it might be. Those are very real and honestly scary situations. But I want you to know right now, Jesus sees that situation. Paul understands your situation. And I think the encouragement from Paul and from Jesus is this. Is that you are surrounded by prayers. You are surrounded by the angels of God. And if you are a believer in Jesus, you have the spirit of Jesus inside of you at all times. This is the message. You are not alone. You are not alone. The future is bright for you because Man, no matter how the situation pans out, I don't know how it's going to pan out for you. Even if things hit the fan completely and you experience some kind of disparity that I don't understand that you can never expect, you have a chance to remain 
in full courage because of your faith in Jesus through the hard times. Because you and I, our faith isn't based off of the good things that just happened to us. We're not, we're not people who are just full of faith because everything's all right in the world. We are full of faith and confidence because we have chosen to live life with Jesus, the one who has given his life for us. And as we'll see here in a moment, you know, even if we do die in this life, and I guess newsflash, like we all will die at some point. We don't like to talk about it, but it's true. Sometimes it comes earlier than we hope for. Sometimes it's longer than we expect. We all will face that death someday. But even when we do, what we know is that today as we are alive, it's for Christ. And when we do die, that is for gain. You and I cannot be separated from the love of Jesus. No matter what happens to us today, no matter what we do, no matter what we say, if we have placed our faith in Jesus, he has been faithful to you and drawn you into a relationship with him that is unshakable. So you can know that, man, whatever I experience, as long as my faith continues to be fed and water, and as it grows, man, I can go through hell and back and know that I am still with Jesus, pleasing him at every step of the way. And as we do that, man, we will not be ashamed when we come to meet Jesus that one day face to face. This is, this is the beauty of the gospel. Paul saw that with Jesus, death is just a doorway into life. Shout out to Corey Asbury for one of the dopest worship lyrics written of all time, that death is just a doorway into resurrection life. But I think Paul knew this truth, man, because this is what he says in verse 21. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, for us, that sounds very poetic, right? It sounds very noble. It sounds just kind of like very romantic to some degree. But this was the very real reality of Paul. He just knew like right now, right now as I'm alive, this is for Christ. This life is for Jesus. But I know that too, like when I die, that's just gain. That's just into more life. He knew that whether he was alive or dead, he was still alive with Jesus and alive with Jesus. I love how the message translation translates this verse. This is what it says. Alive, I am Christ's messenger. Dead, I'm his bounty. Life versus life, I can't lose. Isn't that a wonderful attitude to have? I have to admit, I don't have this kind of attitude just naturally. Death feels scary. I try to eat right. I try to work out. I try to stay healthy because, man, not only do I kind of fear life or fear death, but I just don't want to age. I, I get nervous about just even aging. But what Paul is saying here is that, look, man, whether I'm a decrepit old man, whether I'm a young boy, whether I'm dead and separated from this world, I know that at all times because what Jesus has done for me and the faith I've placed in him, man, it's just life and life. 
I can't lose. Like this is just a great situation because of what Jesus has done for me. He just recognized that this is all for Jesus. You and I have the chance to to look at the uncertainty in our lives and to face it with hope and security. Not because we just believe that, you know, things are going to get better, that that thing is going to heal, that relationship's going to work. Our faith isn't placed in an outcome. Our faith is placed in a person. Our faith is placed in Jesus. And this is the truth of our faith, is that no matter what happens, our faith can be secured. If our faith is based off of just what I can get in this life or that things work out, then our faith is going to be a drag because things just don't work out all the time. They don't always feel good. They don't always turn out the way that we expect. And for us as believers, that's okay because our faith, again, isn't built in what happens to us or what we can get or anything like that. Our faith is grounded in this knowing of who Jesus is and his knowing of who we are as well. So I just want you to know that you are surrounded by the prayers of the church. You may not even know it, but you have been prayed for. That's not just some kind of frivolous comment. I'm telling you that there are people in the church who are praying constantly for the church. There are people who are in our church at Calvary Monterey who are praying for you, even if they're not praying for you by name, they are praying for you. God sees you. They are praying for the church, and he is moving on their behalf. There are people all around the world who see the American church and are praying for the health of the church. You are included in that. If you are listening to this and you don't know Jesus, bravo for getting this far in the in the podcast, but I just want you to know as well that there are people all around you, whether you like it or not, who have been praying for you. And I would suggest that if you have any Christians in your life, they are praying for you by name. You have not escaped the hand of God. And I don't mean that in a judgment kind of way. I mean that in a way where he sees you and he has been moving to get into your life I'm not, again, I'm not just saying that because it's nice to say or to make you even feel good. I'm telling you that you need to look around at what God is doing around you because people have been praying for you. God's spirit has been moving through those prayers. And if you would take a moment and put down your phone, if you'd be quiet for a moment, if you would shut out the other voices of the world just for a moment and just humbly come before God and say, God, What have you been doing around me? What is happening in my life? What do you want to say to me? What are you trying to reveal to me? I believe that if you do that, God will do something powerful in your life. And I believe that because, you know, we look at this passage, we see that God did deliver Paul. Like we haven't gotten to that part of the story yet, but newsflash, spoiler alert, Paul does get delivered from prison because of God's goodness and his faithfulness and his power moving through the prayers of the people. God was working 
And you need to know that as people are praying for you, as God's spirit is writing on those prayers, that God is trying to do something in your life. You are not too far from God's goodness. I would dare to say that his goodness is right up in your face, but you just haven't been looking at it, that you haven't seen it. Maybe the questions, maybe the, the critical attitude, maybe the fear, maybe the the past trauma that you're carrying with you right now into your belief. Maybe that is somehow blinding your eyes from seeing God's goodness. It may just be at the enemy that the devil himself has been trying to blind you with complacency, with doubt, and with a lack of faith. But look, I need you to open up your eyes to Jesus, to get by yourself with Jesus and humbly, that is the key word here, humbly trust and seek him. Because man, when you talk to him, he just wants to talk to you. He gave us this word for us. He gave his son Jesus for you. He is crazy about you. Not just in a sense where he just wants relationship with you, but he is your father. He wants to speak life and purpose and hope and courage into your soul. This is what he has called himself to do for you. He loves you like crazy. And so here's the deal, man. You have been surrounded. There's a rescue plan for you in your life. The future is bright for you. And no matter what happens, man, place your faith in Jesus because whether you're alive or whether you die, you will be with Jesus or be with Jesus. And in that, your life will be full of joy. You guys, I love you and I am praying for you. I mean it. I am praying for you. Even if I don't know you by name, I am lifting you up in prayer, believing that God is going to ride into your life and transform you from the inside out. I love you guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks for being here today. Come back next Tuesday for a new episode here of the For the Bible Tells Me So podcast. Check the show notes for info about following and interacting with the young adult ministry throughout the week during Shelter in Place. We hope to see you soon.